Welcome into another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gil McGregor here with Kyle Irving. Kyle, what's up, man? Not much, man. We got a. It's a big Friday, first of all. It's yeah. uh, CLB just dropped. Uh, yeah. Actually, I just got my first pumpkin ice coffee of the year, so you know it's fall. <laughs> we're, we're into September. This is uh, it's a big one. We got a big Friday coming up, and we got some good stuff coming up on the pod as well. So yeah, if you hear any of his takes, I think they're a little wild. No, it's fueled by pumpkin ice coffee. I've never <laughs> had one in my life, but there you go. But you mentioned that CLB did drop. It is Friday, September 3rd, meaning we are a little over a week away from the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame induction class of 2021. Star-studded features the likes of Paul Pierce, Chris, Chris Weber, Ben Wallace, and Chris Bosch. Um, drafted by the Toronto Raptors, number four pick in 2003 NBA draft. And let me show love to Lauren Jackson and Yolanda Griffith as well. They headline the class, Bill Russell as a coach, uh, Rick Adelman. So I'll show love to the entire class. But uh, Chris Bosch is the second player drafted by the Toronto Raptors to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. I think that's a big deal. Anytime a franchise is able to draft a player who will have his name in the hall his or her name in the hall and the raptors to be able to have done that twice in a pretty short history and vince carter will be there soon uh i think this is a lot about the way this franchise operates so when you think about chris bosh and, and and his time with the toronto raptors i think a lot of us don't really think about his time with the toronto raptors obviously his time with miami is is more recent he won two titles there he played alongside lebron james and Dwayne wade but over on nba.com scott rafferty Took a little bit of time out to, to talk about Chris Bosch's time with the Raptors franchise and the things he did for that franchise. Chris Bosch went to Twitter and, and talked about, you know, that stage of his career and, and uh, shared a, a one minute video in which he talked about being drafted by Toronto and kind of becoming a household name with the Raptors before leaving in 2010. So when you think about Chris Bosch, you probably think about him with the heat, I'm assuming. But when you think about him and his time with the Raptors, what kind of comes to mind for you? Well, to kind of build off what you were just saying, I think if you started watching the NBA in the 2010s, you kind of remember Chris Bosh as this like almost super role player, which like, yeah. you know, obviously he was more than that with the Miami Heat, but like people just kind of remember him as like LeBron's wingman, D Wade's wingman, mm. the third guy in the pecking order. But, you know, a lot of people forget that he was a legitimate superstar and franchise player for the Toronto Raptors. And I think that, you know, when I think about Chris Bosh's career, there's one word that comes to mind for me in particular, and that's underappreciated yeah. because I don't think people realize just how good this guy was when he was with the Toronto Raptors. I mean, this guy was averaging over 22 points per game, 22 points per game for six seasons with the Raptors. Three of those, he was averaging a double-double with 10 rebounds. He was an unbelievable defensive player. Uh, I think he was one of, you know, in my opinion, one of the first players that I saw that I was really like, wow, this guy looks comfortable out on the perimeter. He can knock down the three. He's holding down the paint, blocking shots around the rim. Uh, he's just, you know, a sound rebounder, had a nose for the ball. It just seemed like he did all the little things that made him, you know, the, I'm sorry, I, got, I didn't have it in front of me here, but 11 time all-star. That's even more <laughs> than I would have expected. I, I was thinking more like eight or nine, but yeah. 11 time all-star that he was. So, you know, when you think back on Chris Bosch's career, I mean, People are going to remember the championships at the Miami Heat. People are going to remember him being, you know, the third member of the big three with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. But, you know, people really got to look back, dig deep into the archives, maybe pull up YouTube and type in uh, Chris Bosh uh, Raptors highlights because this guy was a problem in Toronto. Yeah, seven seasons with the Raptors averaged 20.2 points, 9.4 boards. One of those seasons you mentioned with him averaging over 22 points per game, he averaged 22.6 points, 10.7 boards. 
in the 06-07 season and earned the only All-NBA selection uh, of his career, which seems kind of low. Again, underappreciated, underrated, both are, are fitting terms. So it's kind of weird. The 11-time uh, All-Star, and he made 11 straight All-Star appearances once he got there uh, that uh, 05-06 season, he was an All-Star for the remainder of his career, which was cut short. Like, uh, I think some people are saying, you know, Chris Bosh, could still be playing. We really could see him, especially the way his game was. He's, he's only 37 years old. His game would have aged very gracefully. Um, when I think about his time with the Raptors, you know me, I, I, and, and if you don't know me, I have a very specific memory about certain things. And, and there's one game that really comes to mind. Uh, the Raptors were in New Orleans to take on the Hornets. It was New Year's Eve, 07, 08 season, which the year the Hornets uh, went 56 and 26, finished second in the Western Conference. And Chris Bosh kind of just had, had some big moments just operating from the top of the key, being that stretch four that he was, I think kind of ahead of his time. Um, you know, I think people probably would have, would not have appreciated him. Um, they would have appreciated him even less in today's game because there are a lot of guys who have fallen in that archetype of, of 6'11", you know, wiry big men that can get it done facing the basket and have a lot of things, but he was so skilled. And I should remember him making some big plays as a close game. It might've gone to overtime, whatever. Um, but, but that Raptors team and looking closer at what he did with the Raptors that year uh, prior the 06, 07 season, which he was second team all NBA, the Raptors won the first uh, division title in franchise history with Chris Bosch. That team went 47 and 35 finished third in the East. Um, they lost in the first round to the Nets. Uh, to Vince Carter in the Nets, which is a, another point that I want to point out about Chris Bosh. Um, but you look at the the history of the franchise, and, and I think there are, are very key or, or very defined eras. You know, there was the, the inception when the team was just kind of getting its footing, then the Vince Carter era. And then I think there's the Chris Bosh era, which made its way to the Lowry DeRozan era. And then there's that one Kawhi season. And then the era that we're in now, which I guess is the post-Lowry era. But the thing about Chris Bosh that I think is, is, is so cool and kind of maybe overlooked in his time with the Raptors is that his rookie season, he was Vince Carter's teammate. And then his final season in Toronto, he was DeMar DeRozan's teammate. So Chris Bosh kind of bridged that gap between eras of Raptors basketball. And, and that, that team in which he played with DeMar DeRozan wasn't the, the best team. They didn't do well, which is why he left and moved on to Miami. But you bet that the same type of things that Vince Carter share it with Chris Bosh during their short time as teammates. Chris Bosh was able to kind of pass that on to DeMar DeRozan during their short time as teammates as well. And I think that is an underrated element of his impact on the franchise. Um, that's kind of what he said in his video on Twitter, just saying that like, you know, he had a vision when he was growing up and, and learning the game and wanted to have an impact on the franchise and win championships. They didn't win the big championship. They won a division championship for the first time ever. And then, a small part of the foundation he helped lay led to them eventually winning um, uh, an NBA title a, a dozen years later. And then if you want to go by the numbers, Chris Bosh did score 10,000 points in a Raptors uniform, which is nothing to scoff at either. So both ends of it, I think Chris Bosh definitely has a, a bigger impact on, on the Raptors franchise that, that you might realize. And it goes back to your point, underappreciated. Yeah, I think that when you think about Chris Bosh's time with the Raptors, it really seems like that's like, 
almost like the turning point in the franchise where it kind of went from, okay, like a lot of years where they weren't all that good. And then Chris Bosch got there. And like you said, first division title, you know, they started to show some promise. He really, I mean, obviously Vince Carter did this as well, but Vin, Chris Bosch really started to prove like, Hey, if you're a hell of a player and you go to Toronto, you can still be a hell of a player in Toronto, mm-hmm. even though, you know, that sometimes players, like it doesn't seem to be a hotbed destination for free agents or, you know, players that get drafted, whatever. Um, but Chris Bosch seemed to really kind of help break that notion and break that thought. And, uh, you know, he was just a superstar in Toronto. He did everything that he could to put that team on the map. I mean, I know for myself personally, and I, I shared this personal story with you uh, before, but like, I mean, I, I was a kid growing up in Boston, Massachusetts, who obviously, you know, an NBA fan and everything like that, but like, wasn't really able to watch Toronto Raptors basketball games when I was growing up. So I knew him more from video games than I did from seeing him with my own eyes on TV or something like that. And, you know, you can kind of just get a feel for what type of special player he was, like I was saying, and just like becoming that new mold of power forward, that new mold of center, uh, kind of like that versatile big man that can step out on the perimeter, knock down threes. He was comfortable handling the ball. He was doing all these things as, you know, a primetime player as, as their number one go-to option as a big man. And I mean, obviously the Tim Duncans and Kevin Garnett's and Dirk Nowitzki's and even Shaq was still around. And, you know, it kind of made things difficult for him to make more all NBA teams, kind of like you mentioned, but at the same time, it feels like, you know, Bosch in, in a time where let's say if he was in today's NBA in his prime, you know, not, not at 37 years old, like you said, where I actually agree with you there that I think that, you know, Chris Bosch would probably still be somewhere thriving as a role player in the league at this point in his career, if not for his heart condition. Um, I, I really feel like, you know, Chris Bosch is someone that would have been appreciated even more in an era where, you know, obviously a lot of the focus is on guards in today's NBA. And I feel like if you had a big man like Chris Bosch, who was in his prime during today's NBA, I actually think he would be appreciated more because I think that he would stand out as kind of like a, um, almost like a, you know, poster boy for poster child for mm-hmm. small ball basketball and just, you know, versatility and being able to defend on the perimeter. Um, and I, I feel like that's kind of his part of his lasting impact on the game of the NBA and the way that things have transitioned, because like you said, you do see more bigs come out of the draft every year that are working on their three ball or working on their game around the perimeter and everything like that. And, you know, even someone like Evan Mobley this year who was drafted, he, he received a lot of Chris Bosch comparisons and I do see a lot of similarities in their game. And, you know, he really is just that type of player, that same mold of, you know, almost like a Kevin Garnett as well, where they're, they're, you know, to, I don't want to overuse the term unicorn because I feel like that is a a term that gets overused a decent amount, but he really was a unicorn in that aspect. So, you know, Chris Bosch, it's, his impact on the game of the NBA, his impact on the Toronto Raptors franchise and his appreciation as a player is not nearly as high as um, I think people should remember it to be. But I feel like, you know, him being inducted into the Hall of Fame on his very first opportunity, first ballot Hall of Famer, that really just goes to show that, you know, the true basketball heads, everybody that was locked in watching this guy play, everyone realizes that, you know, this guy really was first ballot Hall of Famer uh, caliber and first ballot Hall of Famer worthy. And no one really batted an eye at that. I think that was something that was almost expected. You saw it. It's not something you questioned. It was like, yeah, Chris Bosh really was that good. He was a lot more than, you know, just the guy that tipped out the the rebound to Ray Allen in, in game six of the, you know, 2013 NBA finals, 2014 NBA finals. So, yeah. Right. And I think that's the thing too. Um, like it's bigger than that, that play, like, but the Heat don't win championships without Chris Bosh. Like, you know, you can, we can play a what-if game for a while and say who they may or may not have been able to have had instead of him. But the fact of the matter is, as constructed, because I remember there was that one playoff period run that they had that Bosh got injured and they struggled. 
And once he got back, it was like, man, this team actually really needs this third piece to the puzzle because he was obviously not the most the, the, the most talented or the best of three. I mean, you're comparing to LeBron James Dwayne Wade. So that's not even a knock saying you're the third best of those three. But at the same time, he was the most important to that team and for that team to get, because again, like a lot of those things that they did were so spectacular. It allowed us to undervalue what he was able to do. And I think we started to get um, an idea of that um, before blood clots ended his career um, early, but that 2015, 16 season, he was 31 um, and he only played 53 out of 82 games, but he averaged 19.1.7.4 boards uh, per game that season. And for a guy who coming into the league, didn't take a lot of threes because Bigman didn't take a lot of threes that last year he was taking four threes a game and shooting that 37% clip. So thinking about things like that and looking at that, that would have allowed his game to continue to age uh, very well. And, and again, that's, that's a fun what if to see, you know, you know, had his career not been unfortunately cut short. Um, I think that there would have been a little bit of a transition for to him becoming the man in Miami and Dwayne Wade maybe falling back into being more of a, a, a supplemental guy with that team. Obviously, he moved on and did things like that and ended up coming back. But um, I think Chris Bosch would have sustained that level of play for a while looking at it that way. Yeah, and I feel like people forget that he was offered that max contract by the Miami, I mean, uh, sorry, by the Houston Rockets and elected to mm -hmm. stay in Miami. Like Houston mm -hmm. was getting ready to pay him to be the guy next to James Harden for the foreseeable future, but he wanted to stay in Miami before blood clots uh, ended his career. Uh, short, unfortunately. But one thing that I do want to bring up that, and this was an interview that I hadn't heard until uh, I was, you know, during the NBA hiatus last year, just watching NBA TV, they had a lot of those throwback interviews. And actually at the, off the top of my head, and I just tried to look it up real quick. I couldn't remember if it was with Kevin Garnett or Dirk Nowitzki, but it was on NBA TV. And he was going back through that time frame. I want to say it was KG actually. And he was going back through that time frame of when he was transitioning from going from Toronto to Miami. And Chris Bosch kind of had this moment that he was talking about where I think he said D Wade called him and then LeBron called him after that, but basically calling him up and saying, Hey, like we want you to be the third guy. And he was, you know, kind of shocked by that, taking him back. He was like, you guys want to play with me? Like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, you want to play with me? And I think that just goes to show the respect that he had from other players around the league as well, realizing that, you know, even if he wasn't in the national spotlight the same way that, again, like the Tim Duncans and Dirk Nowitzkis and Kevin Garnett's were, uh, the players that were on the floor were realizing the talent that this guy had. And, you know, for LeBron and D Wade to seek him out, obviously they were trying to build something special in Miami and they did, did build something special in Miami. But for them to seek out Chris Bosch and be like, hey, you're the guy that we think could make this work and turn this into, you know, not three, not four, not five. It, it, it really is just like it speaks volumes of his game that two of the, the best, most dominant players in the game in that era uh, during that time frame, you know, really seeked out Chris Bosh and said, hey, you're the guy that we want to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and again, that goes back to what he was able to do and show for himself uh, in Toronto, because you talk about LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are two of not only are they, they great basketball players, but part of the reason why they're great is because they watch so much basketball. So, you know, when the Raptors weren't necessarily you know, a perennial playoff team, they made it twice while Chris Bosh was there. People knew what he was doing. And I always kind of joked about it or I kind of laughed about it. But I remember the first time I saw the big three heat play was a preseason game in New Orleans. And Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron James were resting that day, low, low, low management, pre-load management, low management in 2010. <laughs> but it looked like I was watching the Raptors play. Like Chris Bosh was just the guy. It was a preseason game and he was dominating, but that's just who he was and that's what he's capable of doing. It's funny, we had uh, over on NBA.com, our favorite memories of Chris Bosh and mine came with the heat, but it was when LeBron James was out, Chris Bosh 
went three for three from three, but the third three hit that game was a game winner from like 28 feet out. And LeBron's going crazy on the bench and Chris Bosh is, is, has like a pretty cool celebration. And, and it's just kind of, it's kind of a cool thing to kind of speak about the type of player he was. Now I'll say all that and, and mention who he was and what he established in Toronto. He played 509 games, finished his third all time in, in points as a Raptor, 10,275 first in offensive, defensive and total rebounds. Also in the top 10 in assists, steals, uh, first in blocks as well. So when you look at what he did and the impact he had on the franchise, and we kind of mentioned him amongst the likes of other Raptors greats, like Vince Carter and DeMar DeRozan, with whom he played with both of them, and Kyle Lowry, who is undoubtedly the greatest Raptor of all time, do you think Chris Bosh did enough for that number four to eventually hang in the Raptors Scotiabank ring. I know Scotty Barnes took it, but we've seen that happen before. You know, guys kind of borrow it, but it, it's going to be there. Do you think Chris Bosh did enough to maybe have his jersey retired by the Raptors eventually? I would have thought that he would have. I actually, it's funny you say that because I, I didn't even put that two and two together that Scotty Barnes is rocking that jersey number. It's kind of like, you know, after Kawhi left and they, they dished off number two to Malcolm yeah. Miller, I believe, right? Jalen Harris. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Jalen Harris. No, Malcolm Miller was rocking eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dished, dished off number two to Jalen Harris. And right away, you're just like, well, that kind of looks funny. But like with <laughs> Scotty Barnes in, in number four, it didn't really feel that way. But like thinking back on it, it's like, I mean, he's the best big man in Raptors history. I don't mm -hmm. think there's any doubt about that. And I think that, you know, his impact on the franchise was significant enough where I feel like it would warrant his jersey to be retired. I do think that there is kind of something that was slowly but surely developing as Kyle Lowry's career went on in Toronto that it's like, all right, well, we don't have any banners or uh, sorry. Well, they have a banner. They have a banner now. They certainly have a banner now. We don't have any jerseys hanging in our rafters. And it, it was kind of shaping up like, okay, this would be cool if Kyle Lowry were to be the first. And I'm curious to see if, you know, after Kyle Lowry, gets his jersey retired and honored the way that it should if we start to see the other stars of, you know, the, the past generations of the Raptors trickle in, like Vince's 15, like Chris Bosh's four. You know, I mean, I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's jersey is going to get retired, but like maybe Kawhi Leonard's too. You know what I mean? And, so, and DeMar's 10. In DeMar's 10. I can't believe I mentioned Kawhi before DeMar. I apologize, DeMar. <laughs> but I, I seriously, though, it's like it almost makes me feel like, all right, they're going to get Kyle Lowry's number seven up in the rafters first. And then I'm curious to see if they backtrack after that and start retiring other numbers. I mean, do all of those guys that I just mentioned deserve to have their jerseys retired? Maybe not. I think DeMar DeRozan is certainly someone that does. Um, I, but I think Chris Bosh is right in line there. I mean, alongside him and Vince Carter for guys that truly do deserve to have their jersey in the rafters because of the impact they made with the franchise. I think it's interesting. It's kind of like thinking about it. It's kind of like we, we went through the the eligible names for a Raptors Mount Rushmore while we were at it. And obviously Kyle Lowry is like, it's, it's like kind of tricky when you think about it. I think Kyle Lowry and Vince Carter are, are, are up there. And I think this is kind of a, a fun way to discuss like their, 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 importance in the pantheon of, of, of Raptors greatness because, you know, Vince Carter and his effect on the entire country and stirring up interest in the team, getting to the playoffs and Kyle Lowry obviously being the GOAT um, of that franchise history. But then when you look at, you know, Kawhi being you know, the finals MVP, but he's only there for a year. You look at DeMar DeRozan being the heart and soul and, and being the all-time leader in scoring. And then Chris Bosh, again, bridging the gap on those eras. I think it's, it's pretty clear to kind of look at those five as the most important people. Another name we didn't mention was Damon Stoudemire. He was, you know, on, on the initial roster, was rookie of the year, and, and it wasn't a, a ceremonious end. And the same could be said for Vince Carter, but that was patched up over time. And um, 
it's just and it's interesting because I think the Raptors are probably hoping to have the good problem of Scotty Barnes being good enough to eventually have his number retired. So maybe they maybe they ask him to switch it up uh, before he he gets too good uh, wearing that number four. But I mean, I, I laugh and joke that, but but look at uh, Denver. You know, Jokic has won MVP in fifteen, which is the number that Carmelo dominated in for so long. But now it's like. 15 is going up in the rafters in Denver, but do you retire it twice or whatever? And, and for the sake of the, the the argument or the conversation as well, Chris Bosh did get his number one retired in Miami already, and he doesn't stand nearly as high on their all-time franchise list. Again, big what if he definitely would had his career not been cut short. But um, looking at, at what that is or a franchise that, that's, that's retired some numbers, and it'll be interesting to see how they treat LeBron six uh, down the line. But um, just just wondering and thinking about how that how that shakes out. And, and it's an intriguing case to see what ends up happening with Chris Bosch's number four. I think the the Jokic Carmelo Anthony thing with Scotty Barnes and Chris Bosch is going to be something that'll be like kind of fun to analyze as his career goes on. Um, because, you know, I'm not going to sit here in this chair without seeing him play in a real NBA game and say, wow, I mean, hey, 15 years down the line, the Raptors could retire Scotty Barnes' jersey. But like, that's just like a great example that I feel like NBA fans don't really think about all that much between Jokic and Carmelo Anthony and how the Nuggets are going to handle that. And, you know, I think Chris Bosch with that number four, I mean, like you said, if it's early enough in his career, they'll probably just ask Scotty, ba- Scotty Barnes to change his number. But, you know, I, Kawhi, it's tough. I know I mentioned him. It's tough because he only played that one season. I know obviously what he did is, you know, it is going to help shape the Raptors franchise uh, history. And there's nothing that they can ever do to change that, even though it was only one year. Um, But it's tough to hang someone's jersey in the Raptors for just one year of service, no matter how incredible they were and no matter how much they did for the franchise. But I mean, when you look back on it and you look at Chris Bosh, who gave them seven strong seasons, uh, you know, a number of all star appearances, like you said, how high he ranks on a lot of the all time leaderboards. You know, he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer. I know that, you know, they don't have the baseball cap on the way they do in the MLB Hall of Fame, uh, where, you know, you have to kind of designate a team. But (coughs) if they were to designate a team, it would probably be the Miami Heat just because of their championships. And I think. That's why you look at the Miami Heat rafters and they already have Chris Bosch's jersey retired. Um, obviously, if he had won a championship Toronto, it would be a completely different story. And that that jersey would already be going up there. But, you know, just because he didn't win a championship, uh, ju- just because, you know, he <clears throat> excuse me, never went to the conference finals or anything like that. I don't think that that is a means to take that honor away from him just because, you know, he was incredible enough as a player and did enough for the franchise, even without reaching a conference finals or winning a conference championship or winning an NBA finals. So I really do feel like eventually uh, it, it would only be right to see that number four in the rafters. Yeah. I, I think that, that that's a good way to put it in. And actually you, you mentioned in Kawhi short time again, I want to give you an opportunity to share the, the, like the best idea I've ever thought of I've ever heard honestly about Kawhi. Cause we were talking about this uh, leading up to this about uh, who deserves a statue, who deserves to have their Jersey retire, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you had, a brilliant idea of what the Raptors should do to honor Kawhi if they decide not to retire his jersey or give him a statue outside of Scotiabank Arena. So take it away. Uh, I want, and, and if and if anybody, if y'all take this idea, please credit Kyle Irving of the Raptors Podtable Podcast. Yeah, this was uh, this was a, a light bulb moment for me the other day when we were talking about this because we were just joking around about all right. So Kyle Lowry obviously gets a statue, but you know what about Vince? What about Chris Bosh? What about Kawhi? 
And uh, again, like with just one short season, I thought a cool way to honor him would be in Jurassic Park, kind of do the same um, like footsteps of him going all the way around to the corner where he hit the shot uh, the same way that they had done on ring night. Uh, the first of, of opening day of the 2019-2020 season. Um, I thought that was one of the coolest things that I had ever seen when I saw it live, you know, turning all the lights out in the stadium, just showing his footsteps and getting him into the corner where he knocked down that historic jumper. Um, and I just feel like that would be a really, really, really cool way because, again, you're probably not going to retire his jersey after one season unless he comes back, unless he comes back. <laughs> unless he comes right probably... back, right back. <laughs> but in, in case, uh, you know, in case that he – does feel like he's never going to come back in case that happens and he never comes back. If the Raptors feel like that they do want to honor him in some way, I feel like that's the way to do it. Just, you know, right outside in Jurassic park, you know, whether you just set up a key, you set up whatever it needs to be. I mean, think about how many kids would enjoy doing that. I, I think about myself right. as right. a little kid. And if I had seen something like that, I could see myself, you know, running around, coming around, like following the same footsteps, pretending to knock down the shots, you know, crouching down the same way that he did. You know what I mean? So I feel like that'd be a cool way to honor him. As far as Chris Bosch goes, I don't know if it's, you know, a statue. I don't know if it's something like that maybe it's just like a plaque or you know they they put up like a memorial section of him in scotia bank arena or something like that but to me it seems like retiring his jersey is probably just the best option there so yeah that, that's pretty much it and i think that's you know i'm sure different franchises do different things people are more or less strict about retiring numbers some franchises just retire any any anybody's number um won't say anything but hey you know what actually i think nick Carson deserved to deserve to have his own he was he was he was he was he was he was, he was, he was a supersonic thunder lifer and like uh, i think everybody like nobody has a bad thing to say about him and kevin durant was with the warriors and showed up for his jersey retirement so that's all you really really need to know about that and he also won number four so he's catching about, straight bullets right now <laughs> hey no no hey hey no nah, that's a big shout shout out to nick Carson. um but actually speaking of of jersey numbers retiring to, to, to kind of bring things full circle here og and Obi, shout out to him jefferson city high school in jefferson city missouri will be retiring ogs number five uh next week so the day before chris bosh gets inducted to all fame og Anobi will be immortalized at jefferson city high school and he's going into year five in the nba so maybe five's a lucky number to have another breakout season ahead of him elsewhere in raptors world uh the most recent signing since the last time we talked svi mihailuk is a raptor brings some shooting uh, i think that'll be a welcome addition i think 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 matt thomas a little taller um and a little more bouncy he has short arms but um yeah, kind of t-rex like arms yeah i think people people get like the the, the negative wingspan thing but i think he's like six seven like a six foot five wingspan but you know it worked for kevin willis it could work for uh it could work for sweet mihailuk as well so i don't know what you think about his addition to the raptors but i think you know in, in a league in which shooting is um, a very very important thing for a coach like nick nurse who very very much values shoes i think his height will allow him to be better defensively although his you know, wingspan might hold him back in all seriousness, but I think uh, his shooting is, is going to be very much added to the uh, added bonus to the roster. Yeah, the Raptors needed shooting, uh, like plain and simple. They just needed yeah. perimeter shooting. And, you know, Matt Thomas was a lights out shooter during his time in Toronto. But in my opinion, Svi Mikhailuk is just a better player than Matt Thomas, yeah. better overall yeah. player than Matt Thomas. He's he's more of a, you know, legitimate NBA player in my book. Um, than Matt Thomas was. And I feel like, you know, is he going to be somebody that's going to immediately crack the rotation and be playing like 15, 20 minutes a game? Probably not. But again, like in the same way that he had used Matt Thomas, I feel like if he can come in, knock down shots, space the floor a little bit. He really gives the Raptors something that they desperately needed. And he's somebody that, you know, I fully expect to make the roster and be, you know, on that bench and, and checking into games here and there where, you know, all right, 
offense isn't really working. Things are getting a little crowded inside. We need to space things out with some perimeter shooting. Maybe they go with three guards and it's, you know, I, I was going to go immediately to Malachi Flynn instead of Goran Dragic again, because we already went over this. I like forget that he's on the Raptors, but uh, along with like Fred Van Vliet and Svi, I mean, that's like a small lineup, but at the same time that adds some shooting and you know, that's what Toronto needed. So I feel like Svi that when I saw that signing, I was like, yep, that makes sense. I, to be honest, didn't even know he was available still. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't exactly sure where he had been because he kind of bounced around a little bit from, you know, the Lakers, the Pistons, and probably elsewhere too that I don't know. OKC remember. last year. In yeah. OKC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OKC. Okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah, in OKC. So, um, you know, I feel like that's shooting is at a premium, like you said, and anytime you can add a shooter, a knockdown shooter of Svi's caliber, why not? Yeah, yeah, there it is. And then on Svi, uh, a two-year deal, second-year player option. So uh, he will be a guy, if you want to go over to NBA.com, we've got a little bit more on the Raptors perceived uh, death chart ahead of training camp, which is just a few weeks away. So we are right back to it. The NBA season is almost here. The 75th anniversary season is almost here. So we will be back with you all throughout the lead up to that 75th anniversary season. Ahead of the season, the top 75 players of all time will be named. And uh, you might see Kawhi Leonard on there, maybe see Steve Nash, uh, maybe Vince Carter. Don't know about Chris Bosh, but there will be some Canadian and Raptors flavor on that list, or there should be. So we'll see if it's there we teased it before we talked about clb to start we will be back with you on the raptors pod to uh, have a little bit of a review about the raptors global ambassador and his latest studio album so stick with us for that and we will have more on the developing roster our guy ish wainwright is like out here getting triple doubles in the afro basket tournament too so looks like a guy who might stick and make the roster as well Thanks again for tuning in to the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, like, and share with your friends. Drop into the group chat. It's a long weekend. You guys can listen to some Chris Bosch Hall of Fame talk and then go back through the feed and listen to some other pods we've had as well. For Kyle Irving, I'm Gil McGregor. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.